0: Well, hello, and welcome to Student Affairs Live, the online learning community for student affairs educators. I'm your host, Keith Edwards. My pronouns are he, him, and his, and I'm a speaker, consultant, and coach who works to help individuals, organizations, and communities realize their fullest potential. You can find out more at me at keithedwards.com. On today's live broadcast, we're discussing the role of university president. This episode of Student Affairs Live is part of the Higher Ed Live Network. All of our episodes are available to you through direct access to the best and brightest minds in education. Be a part of our live broadcast by sharing your knowledge. Participate in today's discussion by tweeting us using the Higher Ed Live hashtag and following along at Higher Ed Live. If you have questions for our panelists, please tweet at hashtag Higher Ed Live. We'll do our best to incorporate them into the discussion. We broadcast Student Affairs Live approximately twice each month on Wednesdays, usually at one PM Eastern Time. Today we have a special time of two PM Eastern Time for our Steam panel. Today's live broadcast is powered by Platform Q Education's Conduit Online Engagement Platform. Learn how to integrate continuous online engagement into your marketing enrollment plans using Conduit. Visit platformqedu.com. All of our episodes are recorded. They're free and easy to access in the video archives at higheredlive.com, or take Higher ed Live with you on the go by subscribing to the podcast. Higher ed Live is produced by M. Stoner, a digital-first agency committed to tailored solutions that drive real results. M. Stoner teamed up with Target X to design a survey focusing on how prospective teen students use a range of digital tools, social media, websites, email, and digital ads during their college search and selection process and learn what information is most helpful at each stage of the journey. The 2019 Digital Admissions Research offers re- rich insights into the nuances of their behavior as they make a vital decision in their lives. Be among the first to hear the findings and join M. Stoner on October 30th at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific for a free webinar. And now on to today's show. Today, we're talking about the university presence who came from careers in student affairs. Uh, Let's meet our panelists. And panelists, if you could just introduce yourself, your name, your institution, your pronouns, and just give a little bit of background for our viewers about your journey in student affairs and how you came to be a president. Um, And we're gonna begin with President Adams Gaston, who uh, most people who know her call her Dr. J. So could you introduce yourselves to us a little bit? Happy to. Thank you so much,
1: Keith. I am Dr. Javon Adams Gaston, President of Norfolk State University in virginia we are a historically black university in hbcu and i have been there this is the end of my fourth month so it's been it's been wonderful and it's been a lot um i come from most recently the ohio state university where i was senior vice president for student life i was there for 10 years ten and a half years before that i was at the university of maryland College Park, where I say to them, kudos to them, because they let me do everything I wanted to do there. So I (laughs) came um, student affairs twice. I was a counseling, a a psychologist on staff at the counseling center. And then I was the executive director of the career service. But in between there, I was the first African-American female assistant athletic director. And I was also an associate dean on the um, academic side of the house. So I've had quite the journey, but I am
0: very, very pleased to where the this live. Thank you, and we'll we'll move over to Tom Jackson. You're on your second college presidency, so you seem addicted to it. Why don't you tell us a little <laughs> bit about you and a little bit about your path?
2: I don't know if addiction is the right word, but hi,, <laughs> Thank you, kate Tom Jackson. I'm the president at Humboldt State University. And you're correct, Keith, this is the the second version 2.0 of Tom Jackson, the president. I finished five years as president at Black Hills State University in beautiful Spearfish, South Dakota, a fantastic uh, state university in the gorgeous Black Hills, only the land at Humboldt State, which is amazingly gorgeous as well along the Pacific Coast in Northern California. I've been here four months, so I joined Dr. J as a four-month newbie at a different institution. Uh, Like my colleagues, I started in student affairs and I started in housing. Actually, I started as a box office manager at my alma mater and worked my way up through student activities and, and housing and recently was the VP for Student Affairs at the University of Louisville and a VP for Student Affairs at the University, excuse me, at Texas A&M in Kingsville in Texas. And so it's been a wonderful journey to this point. Many of you know me as a first generation community college graduate. And so there are certainly pathways to come to this role. Uh, And in a nutshell, very kind of one-off, I should say that I sat around once sitting with a good number of other vice presidents, men of color, women of color. And we wondered why there were not more vice presidents for student affairs of color or females in the presidential ranks at universities. And then we talked about how good our jobs were as vice presidents. And and then came to this realization that it's gonna take us to step up. And my colleagues on this call today were three of those that said why not us and stepped up mm-hmm. and uh, and found these roles it's a wonderful opportunity to make a difference so again Keith thank you for the opportunity to join the mm-hmm.
0: panel yeah thank you I'm, I'm really glad you're here and um, I know you through ACP involvement dr. J from our Maryland connection we got another Terrapin connection here and dr. John Hernandez president of Canyon uh, I'm gonna get it wrong help me out John introduce not yourself. Okay. thank you. <laughs> Thank you, so Pete. tell us a little um, bit
3: about you. Absolutely. John Hernandez, my preferred pronouns are he, him, his. I am starting my 15th year here at Santiago Canyon College. I've served as vice president of student services for a little over 10 years. And I'm going on my fourth year as the president. So there's a the number four. We should play the lotto either <laughs> zero four or four or some, some combination thereof. Um, Like uh, Tom, I am the product of the California Community College. I am a first-generation student, uh, immigrant. It is probably no wonder that my career trajectory led me back to the California Community College. My upbringing, if you will, my professional upbringing, um, was through educational equity programs, EOP, outreach services. Uh, in my administrative capacities, I have been a director of student services and associate dean of student development and associate vice president dean of students at a four-year public here in California, and then BPSS. And then I will say um, it was not on my career trajectory, but I think we all go through a point in our professional and personal lives where the calling has been presented. I love the way Tom framed it, why not us, um, and, I'm, and I know there's other factors that go into that decision-making, and I look forward to hearing from my colleagues as we talk about that today.
0: Great. And, uh, you know, John, you and I know each other from Maryland roots, but also your chairing of ACPA's Standing Committee on Multicultural Affairs, CMA, now the Coalition. Uh, and really, you were critical in helping us launch the Commission for Social Justice Educators, yeah. which has gone to do on so many things. So thank you so much for your your guidance and your mentorship and your direction there. Um, I think I want to I want to begin with a question. Uh, I'll say it politely, and then I'll say what I really think. Uh, the question, <laughs> the polite question, is what What's it really like to be a university president? Really? I mean, I think so many people are curious about this. What I really want to say is. Did you lose a bet? Like, who made you do this? This seems like jobs where all the pressure is on you. Uh, You're accountable for everything that happens, limited ability to control and authority, but responsible for everything. So what's it really like? Chom, let's start with you. You're on your second round of this. So clearly, um, it has been a meaningful and valuable experience. What what do you think is the experience really like, and what might surprise folks about the experience of being a college president? Mm -hmm.
2: There was a colleague. He was coming out of student affairs and became a two-time president at two different universities. When I first became president, he said, Tom, you're going to realize that your worst day as president is still better than your best day ever as a vice president. Mm-hmm. And, and you, you think about that for just a moment and you say, that really cannot be true. But it comes pretty darn close when you think about the things that you get to deal with on a day-to-day basis. And when we go back to our VP roles or the roles that we have had in student affairs, we talk about, well, that president job just seems so stressful and so crazy. But there's another thing that, that presidents have. They have the best team they've ever had in their entire career. I'm surrounded by chiefs individuals that are at the best of their game as vice presidents for academic academic affairs development uh, finance and student affairs just to name four of the more common ones they're good they're really really good at what they do just like i thought we were when we were in those roles Mm -hmm. and so you have the best support you may have ever had in your entire career i will say this though in a different subtly different way It's very rewarding, it's very challenging, and it's very impactful. And what I mean by rewarding is that community members, faculty, staff, students, parents, all want to meet the president. And it's a positive experience almost always because we are in an ambassadorial role that really uh, sends a signal for who we are as not only a university, but as a person and a people. We get to hear individuals' dreams and their aspirations and try and turn those into very meaningful events, life changing events for families. Mm-hmm. It's also very challenging. The issues that we deal with are now suddenly amplified, and there's a belief that the president has all the skill sets to solve all of these problems, which we do not. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're dependent upon our team, our society, and our community on so many different ways. And then lastly, it's impactful. And I said this as a brand new president, a little more than five years ago, I get the whole toolbox as a university president. Okay. I didn't realize how big that toolbox was, but as a VP, I thought I had a pretty big toolbox. Hmm. But as a president, you get all the other toolboxes too. And which means you can dabble a little with finance, and dabble a little with athletics, and you can make this really positive, meaningful experience for your students using all the tools at your disposal as a university president, if you're willing to do that. That's the impactful side of being a university president, that when we use those tools wisely and in collaboration with others, we can really make a meaningful difference and it's noticeable.
0: Mm -hmm. I really appreciate you mentioning the challenges and the influence and the impact you get to have. Uh, Sounds like a full job, right? Full of the challenges, full of the hard stuff, but also full of the really great stuff um john you're, you're, was, your fourth year
3: yeah i was gonna Go to jump in i was gonna jump in and say that i i as a vp for a little over almost 11 years just under under 11 years at the same institution sitting around the table being part of that executive leadership team that tom just described that might that the presidents rely heavily on mm-hmm. i thought i was so close to the role that I fully comprehended what it was, and yet until you walk in those shoes, you really don't, right? But I have I have learned to rely on my team more than ever. I think that is a really critical component to be able to, to develop and build a team because we cannot navigate the environment and the complexity of these roles on our own. And I've seen people who attempt to do that. And in my opinion, um, it, it just becomes um, you, know, over, you know, overwhelming. I, I have realized beyond what my role was as a BPSS that I am the face of the institution. To the community, to the external constituents, to our board of trustees, um, obviously on campus, um, And and the difficulty often is that you have multiple constituents with uh, different expectations, and yet, in so many ways, my role has become, when possible, to be that consensus builder. That's not always easy to do, and it uh, doesn't always um, pan out quite that way. But but I, I, I think that, you know, I have a unique role in bringing a community together and setting the sights for what our vision for success, for student success is going to be, and to be able to build that kind of support to to, to bring us along as an institution. Um, And then I also take with deep responsibility, I know people often call it the bully pulpit, but I have a platform Mm -hmm. as the president that's unique in the type of messaging and priorities, uh, priority setting. And so I, 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 I use that um, very um, responsibly. But whether it's reaching out to students in a public manner, a communication um, with the recent ICE raids, our DACA Dreamer students were feeling extremely vulnerable and they needed to be reminded that we are a safe place for them and a learning community where they should feel a sense of belonging. I have a unique role in sending that type of a message and reinforcing our, our values as an institution. Mm-hmm.
1: And, I would well, just and say, I'm hearing go ahead. Go, go ahead. Go ahead Dr. I'd just add to that that one of the things that I think is very unique and special about what we get to do is we remind our community about our mission and vision. And we keep that in the front of the minds of all of the folks, both on the campus and off the campus, of why we exist, why we are important to the community, why we are important to the students and the faculty and staff. And that really pulls me back into what uh, both Tom and John have talked about, which is team. You cannot do this unless it's a team sport. You really have to have a highly effective, highly connected team who's always on point with the mission and vision and who care about the institution, largely um, not just in
3: their silos. And, and and Keith, just to keep it real, there are days that I feel extremely torn down um, for a lot of different reasons. Um, and I tell you that on those days, I make it a point to just take a time out and walk on campus to connect with mm-hmm. students, with faculty and staff, and to really reconnect with people because really above all, this is about relationship building. And it's my reminder that when it gets really tough and when you feel that you know your day is you know, moving in and out of different environments and meetings and, and, and board settings and, you know, strategic planning and mm-hmm. addressing a, a crisis emergency response plan to, to keep it, for me, to keep my, my sense of purpose alive, I just make it a point to to get out and connect with people no, with no agenda other than just a human-to-human, person-to-person interaction. And that's what reminds me of why I'm doing what I'm doing mm-hmm. in this role. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I really I appreciate that. you adding that. And I see the residents and, and our other two panelists. Um, one of the things that, I, that really struck me is uh, the three of you talking about uh, everyone wants to meet you, everyone wants to give you feedback or a complaint, um, but then also the ability to, to message. And to be the the spokesperson for the uh, to the institution, which has is a massive organization and also has a long history, reminds me of Brian Rosenberg, who was the president at McAllister College, still is, um, and he would talk about he was always the walking mascot of the institution, okay. that he always represented the institution. He was given, or uh, people would always see him as the institution. And I think what I'm hearing from you is the the pressure of that, but also the privilege and the power <laughs> of that, and being able to speak to that as she's talking about with DACA students. And I really appreciate this this uh, this. How do you get grounded with so many things coming at you? As Tom was saying, wow. it's a big toolbox, but there's a lot coming at you all the time, and. Um, John, you're talking about um, being grounded and just connecting with students and the people and the human beings and not getting caught up in the schedule or the to-do list. That seems like a very student affairs perspective, and and all three of you have come from a student affairs background, and that's why we wanted to pull you together for this. So I'd love to hear, um, how do you feel that your student affairs career has prepared you for this, Um, and and what advice would you have for other student affairs folks who who are considering this? What is... What, what unique skills do you feel like you bring to this because of the student affairs background? John, we'll let's, let's start with you on this.
3: I, I have to share, I had lunch uh, three weeks ago with a former student trustee from way back in the, my former years at another institution who is now a professor, PhD in sociology. And she said, um, you are in a unique, position and your student affairs background, you, she, she called it the trifecta. I was like, the what? She said the trifecta. And I, I actually followed up and asked her in preparation for today if she would you know, email me those notes. And she was saying, she said three things I want to share with you, which I think fits in so nicely to this question. She said, you, with a student affairs background, you have seen every aspect of the student experience from the best in leadership development to the worst in student conduct, but also in interfacing and creating programs for the most vulnerable, disproportionately impacted of our students who are often trying to just hang on by a thread. Two, she said, from the beginning of of your career, and, I, and I'll speak about us in general as student affairs professionals, not just myself. That you know, we've we've learned to—I I called it relationship building—but we've learned to interface with multiple constituents: students, faculty, staff, administrators, communities, etc. And and we have that unique experience of bringing people together on behalf of students and student interests, and and in so doing, hopefully breaking down silos and barriers and 3 I loved how she described it she said student centeredness is a natural tendency that is never forced because it's part of our core values it's what drives us it's what gives me a sense of purpose this commitment to student access and student success and so to me the uh, that just fully i thought was a wow that that just described the type of preparation that many of us receive in our student affairs roles that i think gives us a unique lens to lead as college or university presidents Um, and i know there's other things like crisis management you know building strong teams and so forth but to me that was at the heart of of you know for for some people putting students at the core of what we do um, doesn't come as natural that th- perhaps than for others, and I think for those of us with our training, it just is part of who we are.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, who, do we want to give credit for for this former student, or should we just leave them anonymous? Jessica eye?
3: Alabi. Yes, yeah, she's on LinkedIn, and she's probably checking us out. For all I know, yes. What's the, can you spell
0: the last name so I get it right? A-L- A-L-A-B-I. A-L-A-B-I all right we'll get that tweet out here um what well that's that's great the this, the trifecta of student affairs preparations for presidents. dr jay you've had this this very career from from counselor to academic affairs to athletics to career center and then the ohio state which is i'm sure where you learned that being college president was a team sport tell us how how student affairs has prepared you <laughs> I think that student
1: affairs gives us a lens that few others in the university get to have. There was not one area of the university that I was not engaged with, usually from the executive level, but often from the individuals who worked in that area. Um, Because of the nature of what we do, we are very much engaged in advancement, in athletics, in. the business, the CFO with the HR, you name it, we were there, with, especially with communications, um, very much involved at the executive level, sitting at the cabinet, but also meeting and solving problems one on one with those individuals and really getting to know what their experiences were like and how they were uh, experiencing the university and, in particular, wanting to connect. Um, so, That has been, and spending time with faculty, and I always taught, so had um, multiple opportunities to spend a lot of time with faculty, working on projects, working on new ways of seeing things, and and creativity. So I think that the background in student affairs is really where you learn, like John said, that relational connectivity Mm -hmm. that is so important to a university and then I think one of the things we learn uniquely in student affairs is how to pivot. We are constantly needing to pivot to new issues, new considerations, new crises, whatever it is. And, and we learn uh, with our team how to pivot effectively and efficiently. And I think that's something you take into the presidency because you know that well and it doesn't surprise you it doesn't take you off of the filter. Um, it feels really uh, very much connected. So you know I may be doing something with the provost one day and or one part of the day, or one hour of the day, and then I'm doing mm-hmm. something with the CFO and I'm doing something with advancement. I'm doing something with any member of the members of my cabinet and others. And so that's important. I think for me, what is most important is I have a deep appreciation and love of our mission in higher education, which is to educate individuals so that they can go out and become uh, contributors in the way that they would like to be to the world at large. And that I really learned from my student affairs roots, that each student matters and what we do as an institution for them, to connect them, to have them prepared, how we engage our faculty in that, All of that matters greatly, and our student affairs Mm -hmm. areas really help us push that envelope. So I feel very privileged that I get to lead and to focus on student success and students being
0: able to leave with a degree in hand, ready to be leaders in the world. Mm -hmm. I love what you're sharing here, both of you, because Mm -hmm. I think, you know, I I, I do coaching with several college presidents, Uh and I think... When you know your purpose as both of you are talking about right as you're just describing and as john was mentioning just walking around campus and shaking hands and meeting people a reminder of the purpose when you're clear about purpose then the rest becomes strategy
3: yeah
0: and when you lose purpose then everything gets really complicated so i love that you're talking about how student affairs has really grounded you in that purpose, which is really great. Tom, what, what would you add? How is, uh, you had uh, multiple runs, now two runs as college president, two runs as vice president for student affairs. <laughs> How has student affairs pathways prepared you in ways that maybe is different from your colleagues who are college presidents?
2: I find it uh, very, I guess very positive that many of my responses would almost be identical to my mm. colleagues on this on this broadcast because When I go to sleep at night and when I wake up in the morning, there's one thing that is very true to me and it is I still wanna provide a positive, meaningful, educational experience for our students. Mm. That's what I go to sleep at night thinking how I can do that and I wake up with Mm. that very same simple, how do I provide a positive, meaningful, educational experience for our students? Now that means a lot of things to a lot of people and within our university, they can all fit within a couple of those areas. John said it uh, very early on, when we talk about student affairs, student affairs people are arguably the best at forming relationships. It's, it's at the core of what we did in student affairs, and it's at the core of what we do as presidents. John said, and, and Dr. J said in so many words, that we are constantly collaborating with different enterprises and groups within the university and external to the university, and we are. We are natural at doing that because in student affairs, we were the natural collaborators trying to link to the administration Mm -hmm. or athletics or to an academic department. And oftentimes we were the ones that bridged some of that together. So it came fairly uniquely easy uh, trying to do the same in the presidential role. We naturally deal with campus crises. We know the campus really well and we understand legal issues. In fact, many legal issues that face a university often involve unfortunately issues uh, coming from the student body. And so there are natural lessons to be learned as a good student affairs practitioner. And the lesson, if there is one in there, is to do the homework and to study those, those things so that when the shoe is on your president's foot, you're best at dealing with many of those things. Let me add a couple of other things to this though. I've also learned uh, that if I need a good answer, just like when I was more younger younger in my career, RAs know a lot of things. That's never changed. If <laughs> you need a <laughs> good answer, an RA will anybody. know the right answer. <laughs> you just find an RA, they'll tell you what really is the answer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you need good input, you know a student, particularly a student athlete, will tell you what really is happening around campus. I, I believe strongly that when families send their sons and daughters to a university, it's a matter of trust, yeah. and student affairs practitioners are in that business of developing and forming trust with families, people, students, and the academic community as a whole. It doesn't always work as well as we want, and it troubles me every single day when something doesn't work the way it's supposed to because, because you send a son and daughter to a university to actually do and leave better than what they came to the university for. And so I return to the very first statement that I that I said that, that if we do our part, we will give our students that positive, meaningful educational experience and they'll graduate, finish in a positive sense and go off and do amazing things, amazing things, excuse me, in our communities. Mm-hmm. And that is what I'm trying to do every single day. And I think Student mm-hmm. Affairs is trying to do the exact mm-hmm. same thing.
0: Mm-hmm. So, again, we're just we're centering. When you're centering your purpose and you're clear about purpose, then things lie. I find that so valuable. I think one of the challenges um, for being a college president is, and you alluded to this, Tom, um, how do you get good, meaningful, valuable feedback? Because everybody reports to you. You have a board that you report to, but they're kind of off there. And I think one of the challenges is how do you keep your rudder, um, when everybody wants you to move in this direction or that direction. So how do you keep your rudder, and how do you know when people are giving you uh, feedback that is honest and not just because they want to please the president or they want to criticize the president? Is that, is that a challenge you face, and how do you, how do you find your own, your own rudder in the midst of all of that?
2: Mm-hmm. Dr. J had a really good response earlier. I'm going to pass it back to you, Dr. J, when you <laughs> talked about team. You know, when you were saying you have to have an amazing team, and that team yeah. tells you things that you may not want to know. And trust me, people aren't shy about telling you stuff. They really—they yeah. they just aren't shy about telling you things. Yeah. Things, Yeah. Dr. J?
1: Yeah, I think that's uh, critical that a team that you build is one that allows you to have people who don't simply say what they think you want to hear. And that's something you have to clarify, and, and they have to be um, aware of, and you can't be successful if people are just pandering to you. Mm-hmm. You need people to say what's out there, what's available. I'll go back to Tom's uh, notion. students are sometimes our best individuals to tell us what's real and what's true. They don't mind and they don't hold back, but you also have to have that within your team. And so mm-hmm. I think that developing that, you know, especially in a new situation, Developing that, keeping, having people understand that I don't need you to tell me what you think I want, which you probably, probably don't even know. I need you to tell me what I need to know. So, you know, just moving that needle and also really thinking about in the event that there are crises, who do you depend on? And if it's not your team, I think you have to really rethink that.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Keep, I'll keep add one minute. thing, Keith. Oh, go ahead, Tom. Oh, go ahead, John. No,
3: no, please, please go ahead.
2: Uh, my mine insist- goes a little
3: bit. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead, go, go ahead,
2: ahead, Tom. I forgot what I was going to say. Now that's
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> I was going to say something about students. I was going to yeah. say when you asked about losing your rudder. I right. said every day squarely centered on that student experience. So it's really hard to lose the rudder when you have the years centered right. around squarely focused on serving
3: students. Yeah. John, mm-hmm. that's a great point. You know, to, to go back to the how does this decision, um, how will this decision impact students, and and to be able to have a dialogue centered around that core question can can often really help you dissect it in a very unique way. Um, the one of the things that you know it's like like I said as a VP you, you know you're so close to this role that you feel like you know on a daily basis you like can touch it you know you can see it. Um, I, 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 I knew this but I didn't realize it fully that so many decisions in our participatory governance um, processes funnel through shared governance committees to our college council and everything comes as a recommendation to the president. And so whether it's the prioritization or funding, whether it's the academic senate priority list for new faculty hires, whether it's, I mean, continue to, you know, fill in the blank. Um, it, it all has had consultation with various groups from faculty to staff to student leaders. So, so there has been a process that honors and listens, but then at the end of the day, it's my decision ultimately to make. Um, the other thing I've, I've learned kind of around this, this topic is that oftentimes when the decision is not as clear to me, and, I, that, and oftentimes they are, but there are times where I feel like I still need to learn and know more I will often you know, go back to a particular constituency group to understand more the context or the reason for their support for whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, um, it may or may not shift my perspective, but I really feel that, and it's more than symbolism, I, I really feel people feel honored and valued and validated when you take the time to understand what their concern or issue is. And even if you take a decision that isn't what they were expecting, I think it it brings you together in a unique way that at least I feel I am honoring a process and I'm honoring to try to better understand before I make a decision. And so the the, the the privilege, as you described it earlier, in terms of the, the role and the platform that we have, there's there's this privilege also in terms of the decision-making process of, of a college president, depending on what system and how the decision-making um, process is established within your institutional culture, um, that I wasn't fully prepared for and that I had to quickly adjust to. But again, going back to that toolbox of how you did that within the sphere of a student services, student affairs division, and, and, and hopefully, you know, folks are developing that kind of skill set regardless of what setting you're in, whether it's decision-making with students, whether it's decision-making with their RAs, whether it's decision-making within a team. Um, those are skills that I think will serve you well as you continue, if you choose to continue through this career trajectory.
0: Mm-hmm. You're reminding me of a really good lesson that I keep coming back to, is that there there is a big difference between listening to people and people feeling heard. Right. Uh, sometimes we listen to people and they don't feel heard. And so how do you not only listen to what they're saying and what they're communicating, but also make sure that they feel heard. And I think when you can make people feel heard, even if you make a decision that they don't agree with, they give you the benefit of the doubt, because they not you not only heard what their input was, but you heard them and their humanity and their connection to it. Yeah. Um, and, and again, that's... a. Uh, You've got to do that in student affairs with the SGA president and uh, the students who uh, are signing this petition and bringing it forward. And now you get to do it with the faculty president and other folks as you you move through this. What's the most surprising part about being a college president? The part that you just had no idea was coming to you. And um, maybe it's maybe it's even Mm -hmm. something silly or fun. Well, for me,
1: it was the number of people who want to take a picture with you. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, when you're in student affairs, students always want to take pictures, that's great. But, you know, no matter where you go now, people really want to take pictures with you. And I am humbled by that
0: because Mm. it doesn't happen Mm. that way, but it is also surprising. Right. It's another example about how you're not just you, you're, <laughs> you're, you're this mascot for the institution, right? You're, you symbolize the whole institution. Now, did you get these green glasses before or after New Fork State? You know, is <laughs> such a weird um,
1: story because I got these green glasses, green and gold, which is the uh, behold, the green and gold, um, uh-huh. before I knew anything about this position and before they came, the search firm came to me. So I just think it's a divine
0: intervention. Yeah, the universe conspires, it the universe to conspires. Be, uh-huh. yeah. Tom, what's been, uh, what's been a surprise for you in, uh, in your two roles as college president?
2: There's been many, but I'd say just the amount of information uh, that comes yeah. to a university president mm-hmm. from multiple sources. We often sometimes wonder, does the president even know? Uh, I bet that president doesn't know really anything about what we're talking about. we you know, we've, we've said that through our careers, and now the shoe's on the other foot, and I'm that guy who you're talking about who doesn't know. But it's amazing how much information comes to the president's desk that is filtered uh, or unfiltered that is used in the decision-making process uh, across the university or aligning a university to a community. And it's in a way, it's very rewarding to see how much information and deliberateness goes into leading Uh, our institutions. It's Mm -hmm. it's very deliberate, methodical, meaningful work that is not taken lightly by any measure. And presidents as a whole, I've noticed that collegially, if I could add Mm -hmm. a second one, Keith, is how supportive other university presidents are to their respective colleagues. Mm -hmm. Now, whether that is because we know that we've been given a wonderful gift to lead an institution, Mm -hmm. or because we realize the challenges that we're dealing with on any given day. But that surprised me just how supportive, really truly supportive colleagues across the board, across the United States, even internationally, how they are to um, receiving and collaborating or helping another university president.
3: Nice. Great. Keith, I'm I'm gonna say it's information overload um, because You know, particularly if you are an institution like I am that is part of a statewide system of 115 community colleges, and then I'm part of a multi-college district, so that's another layer of infrastructure. And then when you think of all the things that that do make their way to the office of the president, um, you know, it 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 often feels overwhelming in terms of the information overload, and and how can I manage that type of information. And, and one thing I did learn as a VP that um, I have had to rely on even more so as a president, mm. I'll never forget one time I had a meeting with the college president, I had my dean of admissions with me, and I don't even remember what the issue was we were talking about. I set up the meeting, we opened it up, I did the opening describe the context and the issue, and then I passed it on to my discipline expert who knew the details. When we walked out, she said, wow, you knew a lot about that. I said, no, I only knew enough, as much as I needed to know, and the details, that's where I rely on, on your expertise. And I've had to apply that times five as a president. Otherwise, I, I feel I, I would be completely overwhelmed, and I would feel like I'm I'm constantly trying to process information, and so that has been a a bit of an adjustment, even even to this day. And I'm and I'm going in my fourth year.
1: Okay, okay. Yeah.
3: I don't know if it gets better. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Add to that, I think the other piece for me is the buck stops here, yeah. and then mm-hmm. the bottom line, and as many. Um, interactions and support that you have from your team, in the end, it's your responsibility and you have to pull the trigger. And so in each of those things, as John was saying, as Tom was saying a little bit earlier, um, where you're making these decisions, there's, mm-hmm. a, there's a touch of loneliness that mm-hmm. it's your decision at the end. And whether it's um, successful or failed, it's squarely on your head.
0: How do you navigate that loneliness? I'm sorry. Navigate the loneliness. I think
1: the, the the other thing that Tom said is having good colleagues who are presidents who understand that, or who you're able to reach out to, and will say to you, you know, either sounds like you're going in a great direction, or I know this is tough. And I don't really have an opinion on this, but, you know, we're here. That has helped tremendously. Yeah. Not trying to do this
0: alone yeah. is, I think, really critical. I hear from so many college presidents that people say the cliche, it's lonely at the top. Mm-hmm. It is really lonely. <laughs> so, how do, uh, Other, other the, John and Tom, how, how have you navigated some of that? Or do you not experience that?
3: Oh. I wish I could say I didn't. Um, but, but, but I agree with both my colleagues. i uh, in my second year, I participated in a year-long um, leadership cohort experience for new California Community College CEOs. And in our, it was a cohort about 2021, 20, but even within that cohort, there was a smaller subgroup that just, we just bonded. And uh, it, it, it's wonderful to have a colleague who is not interfacing, not part of my day to day, but understands the role that I know I've made myself available to them, and vice versa, um, because because you know you may feel that you can or can't confide with, you know, re- regardless of the relationship you have with your executive leadership team, there are some things that you almost just have to have a conversation with someone who is external, who can be fully objective, and who understands the role and can be supportive. And, and I have found that to be a, a, a huge blessing to have had a couple folks that I can rely on for that type of, of kind of reflection, right, um, and and support.
0: Well, um, Dr. Hernandez, you've got a lot of support because the CSU Long Beach College of Education just retweeted out how proud they are seeing you on this broadcast here today. So you've got some good folks there. Thank you. Um, Tom, do you want to jump in on how you manage the loneliness or...?
2: I think I, and I'm going to lose you because of battery strength. I'm in an airport, mm-hmm. surprisingly. You didn't know this. And <laughs> I just got that notice that said, oh, boy. And so <laughs> I, I remember in my first vice presidency, my president um, was an amazing man. And he he had his hobbies like I did. Flying was one mm-hmm. of them. He mm-hmm. would be out there regularly. And I'd see him more at the airport because he was balancing his time. and mm-hmm. And that taught me a really important lesson. Uh, Find those other hobbies and then use them in a really good way and very recently I took a fly fishing class Just Mm -hmm. so that I could break up some of the things that I do, but at the end of the day. I still love Netflix it's the best way for me to do things, <laughs> just like
3: everybody All else. right. And so, yeah, you're human.
0: Well, let's you're let's here. move this last question and start with you, in case we we lose you and your battery. Um, what's what's the advice you would give to other student affairs professionals, vice presidents, or other folks who are thinking maybe this is something they want to pursue? What advice would you have for them about doing that, or uh, are, are there any key experiences you would direct them to, both in their their work life or in their own personal development?
2: I, I think sometimes we get tripped up on what the questions may be to become a president. We think, well, I have to have all this development experience, for example, fundraising experience. And the truth is, in auxiliaries, we raise more money building buildings than we do generating uh, donor dollars sometimes. Yep. And so that's, that's the same thing answered a different way. So to apply what we're doing in student affairs uh, to what we do as a university president. I think going to aspiring presidents' workshops yes. give you insights into some of those things. I also think, though, the place finds you. Uh, you have to dabble a little with it and then see what really it is you want to do as a university president. And ultimately, it's a marriage. It finds you. And and uh, and you have to step into it with a big commitment. So I'll, I'll s- stop at those two because I know my colleagues have some amazing ones. And if I lose you, my apologies because my my it'll just cut off. And so I've enjoyed working <laughs> yeah. with you, Keith, so thanks.
0: All right. Thank you. We'll keep you as long as we have you. Uh-huh. What, would, what would be your advice to uh, your student affairs colleagues who are who are considering this either soon or maybe further down the road? John?
3: Well, I'll tell you, it probably at year five of a VP, I've, I already had folks from mentors to search firms and I was not in a hurry. First of all, to be frank, I, I never had that on my radar. I did not. When I became a VP of Student Services, I thought this is what I've been working towards my entire career, and this is where I'm going to retire. So so in some ways, you have to be open to explore opportunities um, and to not close yourself off. But you also, for me, it was also timing. I think I I had talked to enough folks to know that these roles are challenging and difficult. And I almost at one point consciously or subconsciously looked at when I thought I might retire. And I backed it up eight to 10 years and said I could probably handle this for eight to 10 years. Mm -hmm. And and kudos to folks who have been doing it for longer than that, right? Um, But I'll be honest with you, over my career, there are times I pull out my Parker Palmer let Your Life Speak book, and I had to really, when when I reached that point that I was ready to apply, I had to really do that that reflecting and searching. Is this really what I've been called to lead? Is this congruent with who I am, with my values, with my sense of purpose? And and to me, those are critical core questions that I had to um, you know answer for myself. And um, it took me, like I said, a little over, just under, you know, 10 plus years to get to the point. 10 years, I think, is the first um, presidency I applied for. And um, it, it took me that long to to realize that this is something I wanted to do. But um, as Tom said at the opening, I, I do think that when you look, especially for many of us who are still underrepresented in these key leadership roles, um, you know, it's really important for us to 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 really not rule it out because we're needed in these roles, and if not us, who? Mm. Mm-hmm.
0: Dr. Jay, what, what advice would you have for our colleagues who are in Student Affairs Pathways?
1: Sure. I want to back up to the, the top of the hour and say my pronouns are she, her, hers. Um, and the part of the reason that I want to make sure I sort of to talk about this is because my life partner, my husband and I really came into this position. And this opportunity thinking of this as our life mission. And so I like john didn't have the life mission to I got to be a president. Um, I loved what I was doing. I loved the opportunities. And I would agree with Tom that the position finds you. So I would talk to my students. I, I taught graduate students in higher education and student affairs for many, many years. And I'd have a lot of students who would say, I want to be a president. I want to be you. And I would always say to them, life is about phases and time, timing of what's in your best interest. And so I always encourage individuals to be where they were now and really work hard and be the best at what they were doing. But if they had an eye for the next thing that one of the things that they could be doing is thinking about where am i in the phases of my life because this job is non-ending there are no times there are no weekends there are no anything yeah if that's a phase of life you can be comfortable with that you're in right now great but if you're thinking you know well i'll have weekends or i'll have holidays or i have whatever It just is not realistic. And so you need to look at your entire life and decide, is this what I wanna do now? And if it is, go for it, because there are many, many opportunities. I think student affairs um, professionals are uniquely prepared for going into presidencies um, for all the reasons that we talked about today. But I would caution people to be sure it's not just what you want to do, it's what you want to do at a time. It's good for you, your family, your community, so that
0: you can give it your full effort.
1: Right. That's great.
0: Well, great. We just have a couple of more more minutes before we'll close out this episode. We've we've lost Tom and his battery life there in the airport. Sure. Uh so we have the two of you to to close us out. What, what final thoughts? Was there something you were hoping to share with folks today, um, a question I didn't quite get to? What final thoughts would you like to leave folks as we conclude here today?
1: So I'll just say it's an an outstanding opportunity. It is a great, wonderful opportunity at the right phase and time of your life, and it is the hardest work you'll ever do. And we worked hard in student affairs, but it, it is the
0: hardest work you'll ever do. That's great, and and I hear I hear the tiredness in that, and I also hear the meaning and purpose in that. Yeah, mm-hmm.
3: yeah, yeah. Keith, I'll just add, and I this is in general, it isn't specific to the presidency, but I think that it's an important consideration. I I advise you know anyone I ever speak to, a mentee, a, a, a graduate student to first and foremost, master your craft before you even begin to think about the next opportunity. That's right. For whatever reason, I have seen a shift in the last 10 years or so. Sometimes it's unrealistic expectations of where I'm gonna be as soon as I get out of grad school. Sometimes it's this sense that I've got to, I've got to, you know, move on after two years. After two years, I got to get to the next place. And, you know, I just, I just feel there's some. Maybe it's an old school <laughs> way of thinking, but, you know, um, take the time and mastering your craft and taking the time is different for everyone. For some people, it might be four years. For some, it might be ten. For mine, it might, some it might be three and a half. But just make sure that you've done that before we begin to explore the next opportunity and i would say this especially for, for a presidency and then finally and i think we've all um, touched on it in one way or another but make sure that you understand what the role expects of you and it truly is congruent with your core values and your sense of purpose and then whatever you have whatever it, Surrounds your life, right? And and I love how um, Dr. J just framed it. Um, and 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 again, you know, going back to Parker Palmer, you know, listen to your life, telling you who you are, not what other people expect of you, because I think sometimes people go into these roles, perhaps for the wrong reasons. Maybe it's the 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 I, I don't know. Um, and it's important that while we have others who are building us up and wanting us to move forward, that at the end of the day, that the the vocation you choose is based on the calling you hear within. And I think that truly will help people frame whether this is, and again, and it may not be for you today, but it might be for you three years from now, just leave the opportunities open. Because as has already been said, oftentimes the opportunity comes looking for you when you least expect it.
0: Absolutely. Well, thank you both. I, I think those are great places for us to conclude as you're, you're sharing us. Um, what's your stage in life? Um, the, the job finds you. Is this your calling? Is this your perfect purpose? Is this in line with your values? Um, because uh, the title might seem glamorous, and the, the big office that John's sitting in is really great, and I'm sure the pay is good, but at the end of the day, if it's going to be this thing that is is all consuming, as you're talking about, it, it really has to be something that is part of your purpose and in line with your values. And I think that's a that's a really great thing. And a reminder to do the do the job you're in really well is the best way to see if you're ready for the next one, yep. and not be uh, so eager to move on. The time will find you. Well, I want to thank both of you very much. Uh, I appreciate you. you giving your, your precious time as we talk about these being all-consuming. we got three college presidents to give our our viewers an hour of their time, so that I'm very grateful for that. Um, you've been really inspiring and thought-provoking. Thanks to all three of our panelists. Thanks to the folks tweeting and managing the back channel. Uh, to our viewers, you can receive reminders about this and other episodes by subscribing to the Higher Ed Live newsletter or browse our archives at higheredlive.com. Again, I'm your host, Keith Edwards. Thanks to our fabulous guests today and to everyone who's watching. Thank you so much, and please make it a great week. Thank you, Keith. Thank you, Keith. Bye, all. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye.